So good morning again. I did forget one thing. Uh, if you have a bulletin on the back of it, there's a card that's got a perforated edge, and we'd love for you to fill it out if you're a first-time guest and place it in the boxes at the back. And also, if you have offering, if it's $1, we will celebrate and be grateful. And if it's 10000 I will celebrate and be grateful and do a cartwheel. So whatever y'all want to do is awesome, and we're appreciative. I give every week on the kiosk in the back. I swipe my card and do the debit thing, and and so we give every week that way. And so I just wanted to mention that. We f I forgot that. So um, I just want to say again how grateful I am that you're here with us this morning. And um, this morning I'm going to do the message that I had planned on doing on Easter. The Lord completely rocked my world right before Easter. And I really felt like the only way it would have been more clear what I was supposed to do is if he had audibly said, dude, this is what you got to do. And I would have been a little bit freaked out. So I'm glad he didn't do that. But I did feel that sense in my heart that I was supposed to do the message I did last week, and um, I'm glad I did because I'm excited to preach this one this week. So I'm going to ask you to respond to me some today, so feel free to talk. Y'all know that we're all friends here and you can talk. So, so when you think about All In, besides Dabo Swinney and Clemson football, and this is a hint, okay, this can be a hint, what, what do y'all think about when you think about going All In? Texas Hold'em. Praise the Lord. It's like I planted you there, but I didn't, so thank you. Texas Hold'em. How many of y'all, by show of hands, have played Texas Hold'em before? Some of y'all are lying. I know good and well y'all have played Texas Hold'em and y'all gamble. How many of y'all have no clue how to play Texas Hold'em? No clue, including watching ESPN. You have no clue how to play. That's good. I'm going to teach you this morning. All right, so when you're playing Texas Hold'em, I didn't bring my poker set this morning, but I should. But I'm just letting y'all know ahead of time. If y'all are offended, y'all can go home uh, after I'm done. So <laughs> playing Texas Hold'em, what you do is you divvy up the chips. And so, for example, these say how much the chips are worth. If those are dollars, I have never played for that much money. We play for $5 when we play Texas Hold'em. So you take the red chips, and they're worth a nickel, and the blue chips are worth a dime, and the black chips are worth a quarter. And we spread out the money. Normally, I'm playing with my pastor buddies, and we spread out. <laughs> I mean, it's true. I'm just telling the truth. So, <laughs> so we spread out the money, and you have $5 worth of chips. And the last time I played, we had, um, we had eight of us. So there's $40 on the table, which if y'all make a lot of money, that might not seem like a lot. But for me, $40 is a lot of money. So I was, I was really into this game, man. I, I'm folding. So here's what you do is, is there's, there's three cards dealt on the table after every person gets two cards. So you look at your two cards, you know, you got to be sly like this, and you, and you look at them, you peek, then you put them back down. And so whatever cards I have, I play with the five cards that are going to be on the table, and I bet accordingly. So the first thing, you put one to the side and you flop three over, all right? So if I have the ace and the king of hearts and the queen, jack, and ten come up, I have a royal flush, and I'm excited, so I'm going to slow play. So I'm going to put two chips down and say I'm going to bet 25 cents. And everybody else has to decide if they're in. And by the time the fifth card, there's five cards here, I've got two. I play off of all five, and I choose the best five for my hand. And when I finish, I have to decide, do I think my cards are better than the other seven guys in the room at the table? But there's all kinds of strategy. I've got to be able to look in your eyes and see if you're telling the truth. And if you're really good at it, you can tell. Some people are horrible, and so you look at them, and you're like, I'm taking that cast money tonight because he's terrible. But ultimately, listen, ultimately, a lot of times for me it's just because I'm ADD and I get tired, 
But ultimately, by the end of the night, like the last time I played, Texas Hold'em was the first week of March. I went with all my pastor buddies for real, and we, we played $40. And at the end of the night, I had a decent stack of chips left, and uh, we were all like, it's getting late. The next big hand, we're going to call it a night. So I had, uh, I had two nines that they dealt me, and there was a nine on the board. And I was like, that's, that's a three of a kind if y'all don't know that. That's awesome. So there was a straight... There was a straight on the board, meaning that's a straight, but it's also a flush, so it means it's a royal flush, and you lost if someone gets that. But there was a straight on the board, and so I was like, oh, my gosh, should I go after this or not? And so I just kept betting just a little bit. I'm putting a couple chips in, and I'm like, this is dumb. I'm losing money. And the last card is called the river. And on the river, a nine pops out. I had four nines. <laughs> Let me just show you all what I did. Stay real cool. Ooh, I bet someone has that eight. I bet someone's got that flush. And I'm just, I'm just trying to be real cool. I'm trying not to show it in my face. And I'm slowly putting all my chips down like this. Slowly putting them all in. And I went, I slid them to the middle. I said, boys, it's getting late. I'm all in. I tried to be real cool. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's getting late, man. I'm just going to go all in. And they were like, and two people had a straight. And they're, they're both thinking, this guy's an idiot. I got him. They flipped their cards over straight. I was like, dang. The other one flipped their card over, higher straight. Dang. I flipped mine over, and the pastor at Five Point that was here a couple weeks ago was one of the people playing, and he had a straight. <laughs> and there was over $30 in the pot at that moment. He goes, no! There's no way you just got four of a kind. I've never gotten beat on four of a kind. He was so mad. I was like, I hate it, brother. Give me your money. <laughs> got him. And this is what I did. I had taken all my chips because I had beat him fair and square. I mean, I, it was lucky, but who cares? I went all in. And listen, the problem with us, okay, and the reason that we call this series this, is it really is based on the principle of what it means to push it all in. Because listen, at that moment, when I went all in, I could say, well, well never mind, never mind, never mind. I was just kidding. Half in, right? I'm going to take half my chips back because what if I don't go in? I was reckless abandoned at that moment, knowing good and well when I went all in, I was going to win. But some people don't. Some people go all in and they have nothing. But in poker, that's the feeling of knowing that you're pushing it all in and going all on the line. And there's a few people that we know that know the feeling of being all in. There's, there's people that we know. For example... The military guys, our guys in the military, they're all in. Like, you can't fake it in the military. When you're in Afghanistan and people are shooting at you, those guys aren't faking it. They're all in or they're dead, aren't they, Tron? They're dead. If they're faking it, they're dead. Those guys are all in. They're not messing around. It's not funny. And I'm not saying everybody that joined the military did it for the right reasons, but I promise you when you're over there and you're in the middle of combat, you're all in. And you're with your brothers. Our police and our fire guys and, and the, the people in that kind of, of duty, they're all in. Because at this moment, just like that, when the wrong call comes, they better be all in or they're going to die. Because if they're not prepared for what's about to happen, it gets ugly for them. So those guys, they know what it, what it takes. They're not half doing it. They're all in. I'll tell you something else. Those are sort of mostly 
in those professions are men. Obviously, there's women in those professions. But I'll tell you one that's totally women, and you're all in, is when you're pregnant. So there's at least one pregnant person. If there's another one, then I apologize that I missed you. I won't guess, though, because that gets us in trouble. So guys, never guess if someone's pregnant. Assume that they're not. Let them tell you they are. I'll just help you with a rule that I've learned over the years. But listen, you can't half do pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. And when you're six, seven, eight months pregnant, I've lived with it twice. And my wife was awesome when she was pregnant, so I'm not getting myself in trouble today. God be the glory for that. But they're pregnant. You can't have to do it. You're all in or you're not at all. And I'm not necessarily saying you meant to be pregnant, but when you're pregnant, you're pregnant. And you know it. And everybody else knows it. And listen, the problem with us is a lot of people made a decision to, to follow Jesus when they were a kid sometime in life or a month ago. But what you really did was you took your chips and you said, you know what, I think Mark or the pastor of the church I was at or the concert where they gave the gospel, I think that sounds really good. So I'm going to go half in. I'm going to give it about halfway. But I don't know if I can go 100%. And that is not what Jesus calls us to do. That is the exact opposite of what Jesus calls us to do, and if anything, we've missed the point altogether. And this is something that's been troubling me all week, so I'm just going to say it. Leah and I read a book on the way down to Orlando. We actually listened to it in the car, a book that I had already read called The Circle Maker, and it's our next sermon series that we're going to do. And um, it, it rocked our worlds as a couple because I realized how much I don't pray through the Bible. I, I constantly, constantly hit on y'all about praying. But as far as having a dialogue with God where I'm praying as I'm reading and letting him talk to me and me talking to him back and digging deeper and wanting to know him more and more and more and realizing, and this is what's blown my mind all week about being all in, is God breathed and said, let there be light. And light travels in one year. That's the measurement, by the way, of the universe. Light travels in one year, 5.4 trillion miles. That's one light year. And if y'all think that's easy to put your mind around. It's not, because 5.4 trillion miles seems like a lot to me. One million miles seems like a lot. 5.4 trillion seems crazy. And the estimated size of the universe, the diameter of it, is 93 trillion light years. And you know what God's Word says is His ways are higher than my ways, and His thoughts are higher than my thoughts, and that His mind is as vast as the heavens, 93 trillion, or billion, excuse me, light years wide. But his love for me is also that big. And when you put our little earth in that big, huge universe, it, it makes us feel really small. And this is the part that I can't get over, that I kept going back to this week and that I just keep feeling so overwhelmed, is that even though God breathed and out of his mouth 100 and something thousand miles an hour, or per second, excuse me, is how fast light travels, and that's how, much, how fast light came out when he said, let there be light. And that same God desires me. The reason he created Mark and each and every one of you is so we would worship him with reckless abandon, that we would throw our hands up and that we would not worry about everyone around us and that our lives would be reflective of what he wants us to be. That the way that I train my kids that we're going to talk about in a couple weeks is so loving 
and so much like Christ that my kids can't help but follow Jesus because they want to be the example of their moms and dads, the way that they follow Jesus, and not just what they hear the preacher say or not just what they see on TV or not just what they hear their parents say. I want to be a true follower of Jesus Christ, but the problem is what I tend to do is I know all these answers, and I've pushed my chips, and I really have, y'all, but I take my chips back. And reading God's Word is not a priority in my life because I'm so busy. And so I just give him maybe 30 seconds instead of digging in the Word and getting to know Jesus who loves me and died the worst death ever, ever known to man. He died it for me. And that same dude is the star breather and the guy that made the heavens that are 93 billion light years across. It is so much bigger than our minds can comprehend, and he cares about each one of you and knows the hairs on our head. And so today I'm going to give you two simple points, and it's the cost of following Jesus, because I'm going to tell you something right now. It costs. And people know when you're faking it a lot more than they know when you're faking it in poker. People recognize the fact that so many Christians have said that they've gone all in and they've only thrown a couple chips. And until... We as a group of people say, you know what, I'm putting it all on the line. Like our promo says, what happens if a group of people put it all on the line and boldly go all in? Well, that's what it's talking about. And so in Luke chapter 14, Jesus is telling the story about this is what it takes to be all in. And this morning, I want each and every one of you to ask yourself this question. Have I really done that? I'm not saying have you asked Jesus to come in your heart. But for some of you, that's the problem is you have it. And for a lot of you, you've said a prayer, but you've never really taken that step of faith that is to boldly go all in and surrender to everything, to look at Jesus and say, I need you more than I need anything else, and I love you more than I love anything else, and I'm going all in. So I just want to give you two points, two points this morning about what it looks like to go all in. Will y'all pray with me? God, this morning, in the next 15 minutes... Max, break people's heart and break mine, Lord. If anyone needs it, I need a fresh and a new. I'm so grateful that you've really, really messed with me this week. Help me reevaluate goals, life's ambitions, this church, everything about what we're doing, why we're doing it. God, I, I really believe that you want us to have a crazy, crazy church. For you, and that thousands and thousands of people are going to come through the doors of Four Points, wherever Four Points moves someday when we build a church. But it's all for your glory. And if I die and move on, your church will not because your word never returns void and your church never dies. And God, we just believe that and we give this to you because you're worthy. God, I pray that every person in here will soften their heart and listen to what you have to say. We love you, Jesus. Amen. What's the cost of going all in with Jesus? Is Number one, I, first I have to make Jesus number one. I have to make Jesus first in my life. I have to make Jesus first. Luke chapter 14, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn there. If not, it'll be right there on the screen. Luke chapter 14 and verse 25 says, Now the crowds accompanied him and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, his mother, his wife, and his children, his brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be a disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross 
and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, right there you say, all right, dude, this is crazy. Because Jesus just said I have to hate all of y'all and me. And that's crazy because haters going to hate and I don't want to be a hater. So I don't understand this. And I just want to tell y'all, first of all, Jesus is not literally saying that I have to hate my dad and my wife on her birthday today. And I don't have to hate all those people. This is what Jesus is saying. Look, 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 look. You have idols. People of Israel. And four points. <laughs> we have idols. My idol can be Laney and Haston because I love them more than I love Jesus. And if I do that, I am incapable of loving them like I should. I love my wife so much. But if I love her more than I love Jesus, I'm incapable of loving her like I should. Jesus, all throughout the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, it says that our God is a jealous God. One of the Ten Commandments, don't put any other gods before me. Well, guess what? Some of us put our families in front of God. And this is what Jesus is saying right here. You've got to put Jesus number one. He's got to be more important to you than anything else or anyone else. You don't literally have to hate your family. But in comparison to your love for Jesus, it has to be evident that you love him more. And here's how you know. If something tragic happens in your life, Leah and I watched Lincoln last night. I don't know if y'all have seen that movie. It's very good. Um, we watched Lincoln last night. And um, one thing that struck me is how his wife, and I think it's fairly accurate, um, Historically, his wife was so mean and hatred, hateful to him, Abraham Lincoln, because of the loss of their son. The problem with that is she loved her son more than she loved her God. And she became bitter. And listen, some of y'all have been through losses like I never have. And if my son died today, or my daughter died today, or my wife died today, I would face something that I cannot tell you how I would react until I face it. But the way that I should react the way that I should react is hurt, grief, going through all the issues, but then loving Jesus and trusting the fact that he has a plan for that. Even in death, he has a plan for my life. Not completely understanding, but having a plan. So here's the problem. Here's where we are. Most people, most people in this room right now will claim to be a Christian. And that is awesome. And I believe that you're a Christian. And most of you, if we took you behind closed doors and we put you under interrogation and we said, who do you love more? God or your family or these other things or your football team or your school? Who do you love more? Well, I love God more. And then when we started peeling off the onions, we would realize that you're really holding a two and a seven, the worst hand in poker. And you've gone all in and you look the part. We're going through the motions, man. We looked apart. We've pushed our chips in, but we really have our hands still on the chips like this, and we're sliding them back because, God, if you do anything to my family, so help me, I will turn my back on you, and I will never talk to you again. We have stipulations with God, so we don't go all in. We go some in, and we're pulling our chips back, and we're so nervous that something's going to happen. God, I'm going to hold on to these and these, and I'm going to give you this, and we never put God first in our lives. And the reason that we don't see miraculous things happen in our lives is because he is not the priority in our lives. He is a priority in our lives, and I'll give him some of the time, 
But God is not worth giving everything. And because of that, I never, never see miracles. Because I'm convinced that the miracles have to happen in me. That I have to do them. And I have to be in control. Even though I love God, He's awesome, and this church thing's pretty cool. I've got to be in control. And I never get the blessings that God wants to give me because I never give God my blessings and my best and my worship and everything. And I miss completely and totally what God wants to do. Because of that, my marriage sucks. It's so frustrating to go through life being married and being half in. And so I fight constantly. I just want to get back and I want to be right and I want to be first and I want to be most important. And when I look in the mirror, I go, why is she so freaking crazy? And she looks and goes, why is he so freaking crazy? And it's because it's all about me. And I never make him first. And I'm so frustrated because it really does feel like I'm a hamster. And I'm in a cycle. And I'm going on and on and on. And what would happen if a group of people laid it all down, put it all on the line for him and said, you know what, I'm going all in. But but there's a warning. And the warning is it costs you. So number two is you have to count the cost. You have to count the cost. When, when you're playing cards and, um, and you're looking to go all in, everyone that's played and is pretty good, we all look at our cards and we evaluate what we think and we look at the cats that we know can't play and we're thinking, I can just see it in his eyes, he ain't got nothing or he's got everything and I'm not going to bet. But we look at the amount of money that it's going to cost to put the people around us all in and we evaluate Is this going to be too much? And will I lose everything? Do I have good enough cards? Well, now here's the good news. A lot of times in poker, I don't win. And I don't play that often. I played in March, and I hadn't played probably in a year before that. But in life, we've already won. It's over. This game that we're in, it's already won. God won it on the cross, and when he raised from the dead three days later, and we celebrated that last week for Easter, but honestly, we celebrate that every week. The reason that we have church on Sunday is not because that's the way God designed it, because he made a Sabbath day, but when Jesus came, we celebrate the fact that he has risen every single Sunday, and in Hebrews chapter 4, he became our Sabbath rest. Jesus is my Sabbath rest. I find rest in him, and so we celebrate Sundays every week. Why? Because we have victory. So when I go all in, I don't have to look and say, can I win? I can say, I have won. It is over. It is finished. I'm putting all my cards on the line because I realize that I have the answers, and it's a fact, and it's over, and he rose from the dead. Therefore, every single thing that he said is verified, verified, because he rose from the dead, and I'm all in, and I want this. But you have to be willing to count the cost. You have to be willing to count the cost still. Because what it does take is for me to look and say, you know, it does take everything. And I've got to go all in. Listen to what uh, Luke 14 says, continuing in verse 28. It says, for which of you desire to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish it. And all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king goes out to encounter another king in war will not sit down and first, first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who is coming against him with 20,000. And if not, while the, others is, while the other is still yet far away, he sends a delegation to ask for terms of peace. So therefore, 
anyone, anyone of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. And this is what he's saying is, y'all have seen it on the side of the road when we drive by or in neighborhoods where there's like bricks coming up and there's, there's a good place and they've started and then they run out of money and they foreclose and so you can go in and buy a half-built house. Each one of us must look at what it takes and say, is this what I want or is this not what I want? But here's what's frustrating and exciting all at the same time. And this was, this was similar to my message last week, but this is, this is much more pointed on all in. This is what each one of us have to decide is, is it worth it? Is it worth it, honestly? The most frustrating thing about my life growing up was the fact that when I looked myself in the mirror, I was convinced that I was doing good enough things. I was a leader in our student ministry. I, I, was, um, I was known on the basketball team that we played on as a Christian. People knew that. But I was faking it. Like I had never really put it all on the line. And so when I was in my room at night and by myself, I was so frustrated because I knew all the answers. I knew God really well up here. I mean, I could quote scripture. I could tell you everything about it. But when I really, really sat down and, and looked myself in the mirror and it, it came down to it, I, I had honestly never counted the cost and I had never gone all in. I had never laid on the floor like I did on the 16th floor, on the 14th floor of, of the West Tower at Marshall University in Huntington, West Virginia. I just laid down and I just wept because I realized, you know what, I can know everything there is to know about the Bible and still know less than Satan does. So it's not about knowledge and it's not about teaching a class and I taught Sunday school and I did all these other things and I was lost because I had never gone all in. And God broke my heart in July of 1997 and I wept like, a, like Haston does, uncontrollable weeping that only his daddy when he picks him up can hold him and help him. Because I stepped forward and I said, you know what? I surrender all, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. I do not care what the people around me think. It's not about saying a prayer at vacation Bible school when you're in the sixth grade. It's not about anything other than your heart and where it is with Jesus. Listen, you can have questions. You cannot completely understand everything where God is, but what you must do is consider what it costs, and that's everything. It's a free gift, but honestly, it costs you everything because it should radically, radically change who you are. It should radically change who you are. People can tell the difference in a true follower of Jesus Christ, and people recognize the fact that some people are all in and some people are faking it. And I'm just going to tell you, and here's where we'll close. In a poker game, if I was playing you right now, I might be better than you. And if I am, and I put my sunglasses on, and I've played long enough, I could bluff you, and I'll beat you. And in life, I might be good enough. Listen, listen to this carefully. I might be good enough to go through the motions and bluff you spiritually. 
And you might look at me and say, man, he loves the Lord. That's awesome. I'm going to tell you, you'll never bluff. And that's God. You'll never bluff God. And there'll be a day that I stand up and I breathe my last and Hebrews 9.27 says it's appointed unto man once to die and after that is judgment. I will die and at that moment I believe I'm standing in the face of the king. And at that moment, he'll look at me and say, Mark, why should I let you into heaven? This is from the Bible. This is straight from scripture. Why should I let you into heaven? And I will have to answer him. Well, dude, I did all these good things, man. I went through, you saw me. I was excited about coming to church. Yeah, but dude, you never laid it all on the line, man. You went through the motions. You never pushed all your chips and you never surrendered all to me. Listen, I created you. I created you, Brandon. I created you, Thomas and Tika. I created you, Sam. I created you, everyone in here. I created you carefully and wonderfully. You were made in my image, like Genesis 1.27 says, and all I created you for was not so you could do whatever you want to, but so you have the opportunity to serve me every single day. We were created to serve God, and that is it. Everything else we do, everything else we do is great. Even witnessing and preaching and all those other things. But listen, I was created because God said, you know what, it's not enough just to have the angels I want to put someone just a little bit lower than the angels and I want to make humans in my likeness. And all I want from them is to serve me and love me. I just want their worship. And the reason he's so disgusted by sin is not because he doesn't love us, it's because he does love us and he can't look at sin. He wants us to be a people that are his people that follow him everywhere. And it breaks my heart that I don't do that. And I nail him in the cross every single day with my sins. I want to be the man where my kids can look at me and say, I want to be like my daddy. Listen, at the end of my life, and I love each and every one of y'all, and I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but I don't care if you think I'm an awesome pastor at the end of my life. What I want my kids to do is say, he was an awesome daddy. He pastored us so well at home. I want my wife to be able to look and say, that man loved me, and he pastored me well at home. And if that's all I succeed on this earth, that is awesome. That is what I want to be remembered as, a man that loved his wife and loved his kids and loved his Jesus. So for each and every one of you, I just have to ask you, are you bluffing it? Are you bluffing? Seriously, are you bluffing? Because if you're bluffing, it doesn't end well. Jesus says, depart from me, worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And he casts you into a lake of fire that's burning sulfur and torture for all of eternity. And listen, for every one of you, you have an opportunity right now to say, I'm going all in. I'm all in. I I need Jesus. I'm all in. Will you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? We're going to close it up sort of similar to what we did last week. I'm just going to say a prayer right now. say a prayer right now and I just want y'all to pray quietly with me God and I've gone through the motions for a long time and people really people might even have thought I was a Christian but God I've never given you everything and so this morning Lord on April the 7th 2013 I'm laying it all on the line I've counted the cost Lord I 
can't ever be the same. I've got to break habits and let you do a great work in my life. I've got to give you everything. But God, who cares what everybody else thinks? I need you. I need you. Forgive me, Lord Jesus, of my sins. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and for your shed blood that allows me to have salvation and freedom. And God, now, in the best way I know how I'm going to live for you, I want to be a great father, a great husband, a great son, a great student, a great man or woman that loves Jesus. Lord, I'm going to live for you every day. I'm going to let Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 be the be my life that I throw off the sin and the junk and I fix my eyes on Jesus so God I give you everything I surrender all amen y'all look at me I, I want to know is there anyone in here that would say Mark I'm just being real man that's me that's me that's me like I, I've played games man and I I'm putting it all on the line right now. That's me. If that's you, I'll I'm going to count to three again just because I like to count to three. And I want you to stand up. Say, Mark, I'm giving Jesus everything. I'm, I'm going all in. I'm not asking right now if you're rededicating. I'm asking right now if you're saying, Mark, I believe that I'm truly getting saved right now. One, I just want you to stand up. If you believe this is God, I believe the Holy Spirit will stand you up two, three. Is there anybody in here that would stand up and say, Mark, that's me right now. I just want you to stand to your feet. Stand to your feet right where you are. How about for everybody else? We're going to, we have a, one of my favorite songs because it's all about Jesus. There's no other name. No other name. How many of y'all would say, uh, I'm a Christian? Like Really, truly, I believe I'm saved. But man, I need to go all in because people at school, people at work, my family, they don't see Jesus first. I need people to see Jesus first in my life. I'm just going to ask you right now, you don't have to come down here, but if you want to, you're welcome to. But I just want you to stand up with us. Stand up if you say right now, Mark, I need people to see Jesus in me. Go ahead and stand up. If that's you right now, I just want you to stand and say, I need people to see Jesus in me more than anything else in this world. I need people to see that. I need to put it all on the line. I need to go all in. That's me. That's me. Listen, this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I just want you to lift your hands and worship this song. Don't worship the song, but worship Jesus. And, and sing to him like you've never sung to him before. And if you're all in, there's a lot of people in here. I believe that you're all in right now. I want you to do the same thing. I want you to stand up and I just want you to lift your hands up and I want you to tell Jesus how much you love him because he's awesome and there's no other name that's better. So I just want you to lift your hands up and tell him, I want to be that daddy that everybody can look at and say, man, I sure am glad he's my daddy because he loves Jesus. And I want to be that husband that way. I want to be that wife sister, that mom, that brother. So y'all just worship with us right now. Amen.